follow us on Twitter, your favorite podcast platform, and now on YouTube as a podcast or become a patron over at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ham radio guy. In today's episode, we'll be uncovering the secrets of long distance VHF communication, including topics such as sunspots, sporadic E, tropospheric ducting, and more. So let's dive back into the fascinating world of radio propagation, part two of Radio Waves Unleashed. Hello and welcome. This is your host, Martin W0MET. Subscribe to educate, form, entertain you with the latest topics, news, and information each episode right here on this show. Hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate all the listeners out there. And I'm glad to have you with us each and every week and continue to have uh, a lot of downloads. Appreciate that. Leave comments on the show, things you like or dislike, and I uh, would really appreciate that feedback. So um, please uh, leave those on either podcast or YouTube uh, or your other platform. I do check them out and I, I do see them. Uh, as they come in or um, over over to even uh, buymeacoffee.com. Uh, you have an opportunity to leave a comment there uh, for all those uh, subscribers and supporters or patrons here of the podcast uh, channel. Well, in today's episode, we'll be uncovering the secrets of long distance VHF communication. And we're diving right into the magic band of amateur radio six meters. Uh, this is a... Uh, band that, uh, you know, certainly people at the technician level of licensing can dive into and, and have an opportunity to use and um, certainly encourage that. So as we go through some of the uh, things today, um, just keep that in mind. And, and Solar Cycle 25, one thing I was even heard this week that Solar Cycle uh, 25 is maybe moving up to the peak of it being December 2024. And uh, some have even said maybe even December of 2023 could be a peak. So, uh, you know, just continue to take advantage of these uh, radio propagation times that we can uh, while they're here. And we'll figure out where that 11-year period really fell uh, when it's all, you know, uh, said and done. But one of the key factors influencing uh, long-distance communication for VHF is the solar cycle. And that refers to the regular variations in the sun's activity over the 11 year period, which again, we're in that solar cycle 25 right now. And I'm sure you've heard a lot about it already. Um, and, and, you know, read several articles in it. QST, QST has had a great article, uh, article about it. And, um, you know, during the peak of the solar cycle, sunspots and solar flares are more common, resulting in enhanced ionization. Boy, I can't get that out today. In Earth's upper atmosphere. So sunspots are dark areas on the sun's surface and there are regions of intense magnetic activity. These sunspots contribute to the formation of the F2 layer in the Earth's atmosphere, and they're located roughly 200 to 400 kilometers above the surface. The F2 layer is crucial for long-distance VHF propagation, and it can reflect and refract radio waves back to Earth. Uh, additionally, sporadic E-propagation, or E's sometimes referred to, uh, plays a significant role in long-distance VHF communication. Sporadic E refers to the irregular patches of ionization in the E layer 
of the ionosphere, typically occurring at altitudes of 90 to 130 kilometers. These patches create favorable conditions for VHF signals and bounce and travel beyond their normal range. Another phenomenon that aids in long-distance VHF communication is the tropospheric ducting, which we discussed in our previous episode. So go back and listen to that just two weeks ago. And tropospheric ducting occurs when atmospheric conditions allow radio waves to be trapped and guided with a duct, uh, basically a collision of a cold and warm air mass, creating basically a duct between them, uh, resulting in extended propagation distances. This is useful for VHF bands, such as 6 meters and 10 meters, uh, which we can find again as for technicians. The 6 meter band, also known as the magic band, is a portion of the radio spectrum allocated for amateur radio use. It spans from 50 to 54 megahertz, providing a unique propagation environment and exciting opportunities for long distance communication. Now, six meters is probably one of my favorite bands to get onto as well. And I don't have the antenna here at the house to do it mounted, but I do have a six meter antenna, which I can use for uh, more portable use and get on those bands when I can. Uh, it's something I would like to spend a lot more time in, but I haven't done it uh, a lot. A lot of field day I usually try to. I did not get it in this year. Uh, kind of had a different agenda item going, but it is a great band. You can make some great communications with it. Uh, you know, they have a calling channel out there and you can find it and, you know, certainly check out places like DX Heat um, and then check out the North America for six meters when the band is open. It is really just a, a very sporadic, uh, but um, you can certainly do that. Well, we're going to talk about some more radio propagation stuff right after this vendor product highlight from Yesu, uh, from me right here on the ham radio guy. Uh, keep your digital edge, the FT991A, is the next generation in all mode, all band, HF, VHF, and UHF transceiver with a C4FM system fusion digital capability. The FT991A includes multi-mode operation on CW, AM, FM, single sideband, and digital modes packet. PSK31, RTTY, and C4FM. With 100 watts of HF, 50 megahertz capability, and it's got 50 watts capability on VHF and UHF. The FT991A has rich features like real-time spectrum scope with automatic scope control, multicolor waterfall, state-of-the-art 32-bit DSP, digital signal processing, in case someone wasn't sure what that was, USB-capable, 100 watts of performance, compact, lightweight for those POTA or field operations as a mobile, and that is what I specifically use myself as my uh, one of my uh, mobile uh, field units, is the FT991A, which has, again, that digital uh, capability and internal tuner. It's easy to see screen. It comes with that C4FM Yesu System Fusion with Wires X capability and the latest front touch panel combined with traditional Yesu front panel layout. The Yesu FT991A lets you explore the world of digital voice or CW with this sophisticated receiver front end engineering is on the part with the Yesu FTDX series transceivers. Get your Yesu 991A radio today at your favorite amateur radio supplier. And for more information about this radio, visit yesu.com for more information. You're listening to The Ham Radio Guy with your host, Marvin W0MET. 
Thanks, Mike. And we are back. We're talking about radio propagation. Again, visit your uh, Yesu uh, dealer for the uh, 991A to get in on this propagation. It is one of the great radios that I personally have myself, and I do enjoy operating and using it. And I've, uh, you know, again, a vendor highlight product that I'm uh, definitely trying to make sure people are get aware of and are familiar with that radio. Some people have had questions about it. And uh, I, I really enjoy that radio a lot. So um, it's good to have out there as a radio option that we, uh, for Yesu uh, and, and their lineup of uh, FTDX quality radios. So one of the factors that makes six meter band special is the susceptibility to sporadic E propagation, which we had just talked about. This results in enhanced propagation on the six meter band, enabling contacts over hundreds or even thousands of kilometers. Despite the dependence on sunspots and the solar cycle, the magic band against six meters offers exciting possibilities for amateur radio operators. Its unique propagation characteristics and the potential for long distance communication makes it a favorite among enthusiasts seeking a challenge and the thrill of making contacts in a less commonly used frequency. And it, it is not, you know, uh, commonly used. It, it is, um, you know, kind of sporadic, and so it's not considered that much of a, of a high operating band like a 40 or 20 meter band. But uh, it does when it has it's open. It's a great band to be a part of, just like 10 meters is. The presence of auroras, also known as the Northern Lights, can impact the VHF communication as well. Now, auroras occur when charged particles from the sun interact with the Earth's magnetic field, creating colorful displays of light in the polar regions. Again, that north and south poles, if you're up in Minnesota, Canada, you'll see those areas, uh, those northern aurora borealis lights, um, and they are beautiful things to see. Uh, I've seen a, a few myself, not big, great ones, but uh, they are cool to see. Uh, but these displays can cause disruptions in the ionosphere, affecting VHF signals. So there is a downfall to them, even though they are beautiful to see. Meteor scatter is yet another phenomenon that radio enthusiasts can utilize for long-distance VHF communication. When meteors enter the Earth's atmosphere, they leave behind an ionized trail by bouncing the VHF signals off the trails. Operators can achieve temporary communication over hundreds or even again thousands of kilometers. Of course, successful long-distance VHF communication also relies on the right equipment, high-gain antennas, low noise amplifiers, and robust radio receivers are essential for maximizing the signal reception and transmission. Make sure you understand that the optimization for your equipment and the VHF bands can greatly enhance your long distance communication capabilities as well. And, and knowing how your radio works on, on VHF and UHF. And the other radio that'd be really great for this would be the ICOM 9700. Uh, it is another great uh, radio product as well and uh, certainly do support uh, Yesu and ICOM products uh, both, and they're, they're uh, phenomenal radios. So while we're on the topic of long-distance VHF communication here, some enthusiasts often get fantasized about the idea of a radio wormhole, it, and that is a, basically a hypothetical concept where radio waves can be transmitted through a tunnel or a shortcut in space-time. While this idea remains in the realm of science fiction, 
it's always exciting to explore the boundaries of what's possible. Timing is another critical factor in long-distance VHF communication. The time of day, atmospheric conditions, solar activity can all influence the propagation of VHF signals. By carefully monitoring and adjusting your operation time, you can increase your chances of establishing long-distance contact on the VHF band during one of these great openings. Now, again, you have to kind of monitor and watch it. Uh, I don't know of any particular app out there that says, hey, uh, the six-meter band just came open, therefore you can uh, you know, go operate. It's a good time to hop on there. Just something you have to go in and check and see. Uh, sometimes you can follow uh, people like on Twitter, things like that, that will help with some of that. So as we um, wrap up this episode of you know, Radio Waves Unleashed, uh, you know, we've only scratched the surface on this vast topic of long-distance VHF communication. But it is the beauty of radio propagation that lies in its constant surprises and the endless possibilities it offers to connect with others across vast distances, dis- distances during these operational periods when the band is open. So I want to say thank you for joining me on the journey and the depths of VHF propagation over the last two episodes. I hope that you enjoy it. Now, as a kind of a bonus here, uh, the AWRL is shipping a brand new book uh, called Here to There, and it's Radio Wave Propagation. It's a brand new book just released, uh, I want to say, in the last month or so here that presents the principles of amateur radio propagation in an easy-to-understand style, knowing ionospheric structures, how they form, which bands they interact with, and will prepare you for more practical operating and help you make the most of your time on the air. So if you have any questions or topics uh, around this, uh, you'd like to discuss further or let me know, uh, have any comments, please drop them uh, in the episode notes. And um, I will leave a link to that AWRL book in the, in the show notes as well. And uh, if you'd like to follow us in future episodes, please again reach out to us. Until next time, may your radio waves travel far and your connections be strong. We appreciate your support and encourage you to stay uh, curious with uh, the ever-involving world of radio communication and keep exploring expanding the boundaries of your radio adventure. We're going to take this and we're going to go into the news now. Leading off the news this week, we call attention to the full AWRL members in the Atlantic, Dakota, Delta, and Great Lakes and Midwest divisions. You have the opportunity to choose a director and a vice director represents you for a three-year term beginning January 1st, 2024. AWRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, is governed by its board of directors. A voting director is chosen by ballot by the fully licensed AWRL members in each of its 15 divisions. Vice directors who serve in the absence of the director at a board meeting and succeed to the position of director should a vacancy occur. They're chosen at the same time. Elections are held in five divisions per year. It only takes 10 full members in a division to nominate a candidate for either office. Are you ready to upgrade your technician license? A new question pool takes effect on July 1st, 2023. For general class license exams, AWRL has released new editions of its popular study resources, including the 10th edition, the AWRL General Class License Manual. AWRL volunteer examiners are already administering the new general class exams, said AWRL VEC manager Maria Sama, AB1FM. 
So I'm going to suggest that candidates first take a practice exam using the ARRL exam review. If you're already passing online practice exams, then you're ready to search for an in-person exam session or team. And you can take the exam online via a remote video supervised session. Visit the exam session search page on the AWR website, and I will leave a link to the show notes on that as well. Our next story for this, uh, this week is following years of experimental use of the frequencies between 2 and 25 megahertz, a range that the FCC considers underutilized. Members of the Shortwave Modernization Coalition have asked the agency for rule changes that would permit fixed, long-distance, time-sensitive transmissions of data by commercial entities. The FCC is requesting public comment on the proposed rule change, which the FCC Commission said would have an impact on that part of the spectrum used exclu- exclusively by amateur radio, meet maritime or aeronautical services. A rule change would make the frequency available to regular commercial operators. At present, only 61 of the 21,507 active licenses for frequencies between 2 and 25 megahertz are for industrial and business use, according to the FCC. The business seeking access have relied now until now on satellite, fiber, and microwave and millimeter wave wireless transmissions. And our final news story for this week, the W1 VCM receives grant for the Vintage Radio and Communication Museum. The Amateur Radio Club of the Vintage Radio and Communication Museum of Connecticut, W1 VCM, has received a grant to design and implement new antennas that cover the frequency ranges available to U.S. radio amateurs and to add Earth-to-space capabilities to their shack. All of this source is always uh, covered from the ARRL, AR Newsline, and This Week in Amateur Radio. Check out those uh, podcasts as well on those platforms for ARRL, AR Newsline, and This Week in Amateur Radio. Well, our next thing we have is the uh, check out your local HamFest schedule page for the HamFest near you. On July 29th, the ARRL West Virginia State Convention and HamFest will be on Sutton, West Virginia. August 12th to the 13th, the 2023 ARRL Rocky Mountain Division Convention will happen in Albuquerque, New Mexico. August 19th to the 20th, Huntsville HamFest hosting the ARRL Alabama State Convention in Huntsville. And August 25th and 27th, Northeast Ham Exposition hosting ARRL New England Division Convention in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Well, that brings this show to a close this week, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Hope that you'll submit that subscribe button and share with friends, and I hope that you learned something as well this week that will help you in your amateur radio operations. If you'd like to help support the channel and become a patron, look for me on buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ham radio guy to join today. Please hit that subscribe button. Follow me on Twitter as I provide the latest information for all my podcasts on Twitter immediately after publishing an episode so you can listen to it right away. Well, again, as always, this is your ham radio buddy in the chair and on the air. As the ham radio guy, I say 73 W0 MET.